yeah i think it's recording now welcome everybody to the tuesday night bible study with ropa welcome back you're gonna have to excuse my voice today because i had a bit of a flu so my voice is really raspy as if it's not raspy enough already anyway we can get into a word of prayer and begin let me just fix this for a little bit right okay Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to hear your word, to study your word, to hear what you have to say. Empower us, make us better. Use your word to make us come out of this session as better people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we can begin. Those who are joining us who join us will find us already ahead because of time. You know, I love to keep it. Straight. Hi, Mom. Hello. You know, I love you guys. Know I love to keep this thing like to the time that we have agreed on, so we can get into it. So today we're doing Psalms one hundred and nineteen, verse twenty, and I'm going to read it from the KJV. We're doing verse twenty and verse twenty-one. So verse twenty. Hi, Rimbo. Verse twenty reads: My soul is consumed with longing. For your rules at all time. Let me see if I can find a different version. Let's see. Because I I, I want to have a bit of a different version than the one that I have. The one that I have, I think it's KJV. Rimba, can you hear me well? Before. Can you hear me well? Okay, I think we can just use that version. Psalms 119 verse 20, which reads, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. So basically the psalmist is telling us that he so longs for God's word at all times, which is very admirable. I think it's very admirable. He longs to hear, he longs to see, he longs to understand it at all times. And we see a man who is basically in love with the word of God. His soul is literally longing to hear the word of God He's longing to hear what it says. And I feel like it's such a point that we can take from that. That can be just a point of, of just of just inspiration. But like this, man, we too have to get to a position and to a place in our lives where we long for the word of God at all times. Where we long for it more than we long for other things. Because it also brings back the question to us, like, what, what are the things that we long for? On a daily basis. The psalmist is saying he longs for the word of God. Daily. And then now it comes to us. Do we have that same longing and wanting for the word of God? Because essentially as believers and as Christians. We should be people that long for the word of God. We should be a person who longs for the word of God. That if you stay maybe too long without hearing it. You long for it. You want to hear what else is God saying. Because essentially the word of God is how God directs us. It's how we hear what God is trying to say. I remember someone jokingly saying, you always hear Christians saying, well, I, I want God to speak to me when all you have to do is open your Bible and God will speak to you right there and then. So I've always found that very interesting. So what I want us to get from verse 20, Psalms 119 verse 20 is, what do you long for? Like the psalmist, do you long for the word? What's something that you really long for? 
find that thing and displace it with the word of God. Create a culture within you, a culture for that makes you want the word of God, that makes you long for it, that makes you want to hear what God is saying. Because essentially we must long for the word of God because it helps us to understand what God is trying to say. It helps us to understand what God is trying to do. And it helps us to build our relationship with God. And it also helps us to, to, to build our prayer life. Someone said the easiest way to not get lost when you're praying is to pray the word. Pray according to the word. Right? And that's a beautiful thing. So verse 19, verse 20, we're done. We're not going to touch much, but we're going to touch much at verse 21. So verse 21, I'm going to read. The King James Version reads, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. The NIV reads, You rebuke the arrogant who are cursed, those who stray from your commandments. So basically this verse, from my understanding, is talking about people with pride. It's talking about people with pride. Because saying, Thou hast rebuked the proud, right? It's talking about how God has rebuked proud people. And say it also says that are cursed, which do err from your commandments. You rebuke the arrogant. This is the NIV. Who are cursed and who stray from your commandments. So it's basically talking about people with pride. But it's describing them in two ways or from two lenses. Saying these people that are prideful, these are the people that they err from God's commandments. They don't follow God's commandments. And they're also cursed. That's what this verse is saying. So I think for us to understand it a bit deeper, I take it from the King James Version and we're just going to take the word proud because that's basically the key of the verse. Saying thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed because the phrase that are cursed is talking about the proud people which do err from your commandments. It's talking again about the proud people. So you want to understand what does the Bible mean when it's saying thou hast rebuked the proud. That word proud what is it talking about? How exactly do we define it? So the word proud in the original context or in the original verse, or in the original language, it means it has a very broad meaning. Like we always say sometimes that when the Bible is translated into English, sometimes some of the words that were used in the original context to bring them into English, it's a bit difficult because the word is even broader. So the word proud in this verse, in Psalms 119 verse 21, to those that are joining us, is the word Zed. And it means arrogant, proud, insolent, presumptuous, insolent, and piety. And we're going to define those words as well because we want to have a clearer picture of the kind of person that is being referred to in Psalms 119 verse 21. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. So the proud, what kind of people are being referred to in this verse? When the verse is, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. It's referring to arrogant people. What does it mean when, when a person is arrogant? When a person is arrogant, according to the dictionary, it means a person who has an exaggerated sense of one's own importance and abilities. Right? The word proud in this verse, it also means insolent. Right? Insolent means showing a rude and arrogant lack of respect. The word proud, again, in this verse, it can also be taken to mean impiety. Impiety means lack of reverence, lack of reverence. The word proud, again, in this verse, can also be taken to mean 
a person who is presumptuous. What does it mean to be presumptuous? It means when a person or their behavior fails to observe the limits of what is determined as appropriate. So we go back to that verse. Now we have a broader understanding of what the verse is trying to say. That thou hast rebuked the proud. Thou hast rebuked the arrogant, the insolent, the impiety, the presumptuous. This is a group of people that God has rebuked. Okay. <laughs> the light just got really bright. Okay. Right. Then you... Okay. Awesome. So this is a group of people that basically this verse is talking about. So why are they cursed? Why is this verse saying they're cursed? These people that that are proud. Like the verse is saying, Thou is rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandment. Why? Because according to the definition of these people that we've gotten from this verse, it means these are people that rely on their own understanding and they don't rely on God. They rely on their own understanding. These are people that God hates. Because we've read so many times in the Bible, we see that verse that talks about how God hates the proud. He resists the proud, right? So he's saying, why are they cursed? Why is this verse referring to them as, they, as the people that are cursed? He's saying, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. So why is this verse referring to these people as people that are cursed? Why is it referring to them in such a negative connotation? Because people that have pride, these people that are arrogant and insolent, there are people that rely on their own understanding primarily. Two, there are people that God resists. Because so many times, I think I'll quote that verse a little later. There's a verse that where God is talking about how he resists people that are proud. He resists people that are proud. Another reason is because they have no reverence for God. Like we said, another example of, or another definition of the word proud as it is used in this verse is impiety, which means a person who has no reverence. And in the in regard to this context, it means a person who has no reverence for God, right? And again, because God opposes the pride. We're going to read the book of James chapter 4 verse 6, which reads, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So this verse is referring to the people that have pride. These are the people that are being described in this verse. Saying, you have rebuked the people that have pride. You have rebuked the pride, the proud that are cursed and they do err from your commandments. Now we're going to touch on that last part that say, you have rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. What is that verse basically telling us? It's telling us that sometimes people, when you're a person who does not live your life according to the commandments of God or according to the standard that God has set, there's an element of pride at play. My pastor always says that it's pride to think that you can live your life without God. He says it takes an element of pride to get to a place where you think you can live your life without God and you can do everything by yourself. He says it takes an element of pride for you to get to that, to that place, right? And you have to be a person who is mindful at all times that you need God in each and every aspect of your life. Because this verse is telling us that these proud people, right? They err from God's commandments. So essentially, they're even people that don't follow God's commandments and they're people that don't live their lives according to, their, to the way the word of God has set it for us. And the Bible is calling those people prideful. Why? Because they think they can get by and they can live life by themselves without the help of God. And you have to always be mindful of the fact that you can never be self-sufficient even on your best day. 
whether the way you live or the way you do business or the way you go to school, you can never be self-sufficient. At each and every point in our lives, we need God to help us and to guide us in everything. This reminds me of this issue I was seeing. I think I saw it on Zim Celebs where it was talking about this one lady who choked on a fizzit. That was really, that, that was mind-blowing for me because I was just like, she choked and she died. And that was very mind-blowing to me. I was like, wow, this is something that people just eat on a daily basis. This is not something that you can eat and die in that instant. Which shows us that life, at the end of the day, life is very fragile. Life is so fragile. And at each and every point, we need to acknowledge that we need God. You need God even to, turns out even, you need God even to drink a simple visit because anything can happen. And we need to be people that are dependent on God because the minute you try to depend on yourself and the minute you try to sort of be that person who's, who's in control and a person who tries to have everything figured out according to the scope of your mind and according to your own understanding, you're bound to make mistakes and you're bound to get to a place where you fall and you're bound to get to a place where you fail. Why? Because life is fragile and it needs to be handled with prayer at all times and it needs to be handled under the guidance of God at all times. So you don't even have enough strength and ability and wisdom to manage your own life. That's basically what this the implication of this verse is that even on your best day, you don't have the strength and the ability and the wisdom to manage your own life. At each and every point in your life, you need the help of God. You need the guidance of God. And that has to be something that is always in the back of your mind that no matter how much I seem like I have everything covered, no matter how much I seem like I understand and I know my next step and I know I'm going to do this and do this and do that. At the end of the day, I need the help of God to run my life. Because the minute you get to that space where you think you have it figured out, it takes us back to that verse that talks about how you should, you should always lean on God and not lean on your own understanding. It takes us back to that verse. And that verse even more, it, it more or less warns us that at the end of the day, the, the human mind, it can be very deceiving. The human heart is even more deceiving. That you get to a place where you feel like, you know what, I can figure life out on my own. I have the wisdom. I have the knowledge. And life is, it, it does, it will take you to a place where it will humble you and show you that actually you don't have this undercover. You don't, you don't have this covered. And God, you need God at each and every step of the way. So that's what I want us to take from this part. To those that are just joining us, we're doing Psalms 119 verse 21, which is talking about, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from your commandments. We're just sort of trying to hammer in the point that if you're a person who lives a life, a life that is not governed by the word of God, a life that is not governed by the principles of how God wants us to do things, there's an element of pride at play. Because on your best day, you don't have the wisdom and the ability and the strength to manage even your own life, the life that you live, that life. You don't have what it takes to manage it. And at each and every point, we have to be people that are humble enough to say, God, please help me. Even when I think I know what I'm doing, you have to be a person who is willing to always ask God for his help at all times, right? So there are so many supporting verses in the Bible that speak against pride because that's our sort of like that's our area of emphasis today. They were focusing on pride because that's the key point of this whole verse. Psalms 119 verse 21 is talking about proud people. 
for people that err from the commandments of God, for people that try to live their lives according to how they see fit and outside the confines of what God is trying to lead them or where God is trying to lead them. So that's our area of emphasis today. We're dealing with pride and we're just trying to understand. And we're trying to see even the, the, the negative implications. What are the negative implications of being a person who's prideful? How do I know that I'm a person with pride? So that I don't get to be on that side where that verse is saying God resists the proud. Where you're praying and you're doing so much, but still God is resisting you. He's resisting your prayers. He's resisting. Why? Because it's coming from a proud place. So that's what we're trying to understand. So we're going to read the book of 1 Peter 5 verse 5. We're just going to read a few verses that will sort of help us to see God's view or the way God sees pride. So it can help us even when we pray or even when you're going on about your business after, even after this session. So, you know, you pray for God to help you to remain humble at all times because pride is very detrimental. Okay, so 1 Peter 5 verse 5, it reads, In the same way, you who are young, submit yourselves to the elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. The Apostle Peter was quoting Proverbs 3 verse 34. That's the verse that talks about God opposes the pride. God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble. Proverbs 16 verse 5 again, it talks about pride. It reads, the Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Okay. Proverbs 16 verse 18 reads, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. This reminds me of something Dr. David Jeremiah said. He said, every time I see someone getting a, a little bit too prideful, I'm always tempted to just nudge them a bit and say, listen, it's about to go bad. And because the Bible has already told us that every time you see pride, the next thing that's coming is a fall. And it's coming. Things are coming is the demise of someone's life, the demise of someone's career, the demise of something. Because this pride comes before a fall. In this version, it reads, pride goes before destruction. Proverbs 29 verse 23 reads, a man's pride brings him down. But a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Another version reads, a man's pride brings him low, but the man of a lowly spirit gains honor. Right. So if you're a person who rejects God's guidance, be it through his word, through advice, through so many things, essentially it's pointing towards pride. There's an element of pride there that you need to work on and that needs to go. Because like we read so many times, we read in these verses, they've already, they're pointing us towards the direction that God is not in favor of pride. God resists pride. And wherever there is pride, the destruction is already looming and it's already somewhere close by. So it's something we have to be very mindful of. And it's something that we have to always constantly pray against. And we have to constantly pray for humility at all times. Because it's very easy to get swallowed up in even in your own accomplishments. Even in the things that you've done right, even in the things that you've gotten correct, it's very easy to get swallowed up in those things and you lose that sense of humility and you get, what's this? You get that sense of being a person who has arrived. I love something that Dr. Poe in nature said. He said, I always pray to God for him to remove the spirit of arrival from me 
to be a person who just feels like I've arrived to achieve a few things and then you feel like you've arrived. Because at the end of the day, in God, we, we, we don't arrive. There's always a next level. Whatever level it is that you get to, be it maybe you're a person who's very proud and very confident of their prayer life. And as much as it is an amazing prayer life and you've made so many strides and you've achieved so much, there's always another level. Even if you're a person who's reached a certain level with regard to reading your word, don't let that cause you to get inflated because there's always another level. And as long as you're too stuck in that particular level and you let that pride overwhelm you, it blocks you getting to the next level. I remember something that Dr. Miles Monroe said. He said, the enemy of your next level is your last success. The enemy of your next level is your last success because so many times we dwell on the on the our previous success, the, the last success that I had, and you dwell on it and you sit in it and you forget that at the end of the day, it's a level that after you've reached it, there's still more to go and you're still so far. And I think that's something that we always have to be mindful of. So I found some really interesting points here that talk about the fruits of pride. What are some of the things that if I see myself doing, they are pointing towards pride and they're sort of nudging me and they're sort of telling me that mm, there's a bit of pride here and you have to be mindful because you have to constantly be mindful as human beings because pride can creep in. Pride doesn't necessarily always come and it knocks on a door and you see pride just walking in. No, it creeps in. It keeps in through the smallest and the little things that you may otherwise not be paying attention to. So what are some of the things that we can call the fruits of pride? Things that if you see, more often than not, if you see them popping up in your life, you know, dear, uh, pride is lurking and I have to be on guard and I have to pray for humility. Right? Yes. So the first, I have about eight of these, so we're just going to go through them. The first one is self-sufficiency, and we've already dealt with it in the previous section where we spoke about self-sufficiency is getting to that place where you feel, Tatinda Mshongs is asking if they're allowed to comment. Yes, you're allowed to comment. You can comment. It's okay. No problem. Right. So the first point is self-sufficient. Self-sufficient is what we dealt with in the previous section where you get to a place where you feel like you have everything covered. You feel like, I know what, at the end of the day, I, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing with regard to school. I know what I'm doing with regard to this. That's sort of like self-sufficient. Being a person who is too confident in your own doing, that is a sign of pride. That is a fruit of pride. We're talking about the fruits of pride. What are some of the things that if you see them popping up in your life or in your day-to-day -day life, they are pointing towards pride and you have to be very careful. So the first one is self-sufficiency. The second one is anxiousness about the future versus trusting God. When you're a person who's too overly anxious about the future, essentially that means you, you, you think you have the power and you think some way, somehow you have a way that you can control the future. Instead of just instead of just ultimately just leaving it in God's hand, that also points towards pride. The third point is being overly self-conscious, replaying how you did certain things, what you said, and how you came across. I think so. This is sort of like linked with self-sufficiency. Being a person who's too self-conscious, being too self-conscious. How did I do? How did people receive me? When I did this, how did everyone else take it? How did it, it points us back again to being a person who's self-centered. It points towards pride. The next point is fearing people more than you fear God. That also points to pride. 
that points to pride. If you're a person that in each and every situation, even before you make a decision, you, you are more consumed with the fear of people and what people will say beyond how you're consumed with what God will say. That also points towards pride, right? The next point is an unusual desire for recognition, applause, and validation and wanting people to be impressed by you abnormally. Being a person who abnormally wants people to be impressed by you, you're a person who wants to be validated by people constantly. That points towards pride as well. You know people that want validation. People that want the slightest thing they do, they want people to come and applaud and be like, oh, you did this, you did this. It's another sign that points towards pride, right? The next point is deceptiveness. Lying to preserve your reputation and hiding the truth about certain events or certain things about yourself, certain scenes and certain weaknesses. That can also be a sign of pride. I understand that for that one particularly well because it's sort of self-explanatory. If you're a person who is deceptive and you're always lying and you're always trying to portray yourself in a certain way and hiding certain scenes and certain things that you've done, certain weaknesses, it points towards pride because ultimately you're, it goes back to that point again of being self-conscious and you're very mindful about how you want people to see you and you're more concerned about how people see you rather than how God sees you. It points us back to that point. And it's another sign that can be pointing towards pride. So essentially we're giving each other this list so you can take an introspection and you can take a look at yourself and ask yourself, out of all these things, what are some of the things, some of the habits that I've seen myself do? Because at the end of the day, guys, the whole point of this, the whole point of the word of God, the whole point of these study sessions is for us to grow and for us to become better people. That's what we're trying to get at. That's why we read the word. That's why we try to understand it. That's why we study. That's why we get into it. Because it's meant to, to edify us and it's meant to make us better. If we just read the word and we go back and we go back home and we go and we sleep, there is no we, we, we don't get edified in any way. We're not rebuked. We're not corrected. Then it's not benefiting us in any way. It takes me back to that book, to that verse in the book of James that talks about how the word of God is like a mirror. And how, you know, that just like in everyday life, how you use a mirror, you take a mirror and you look at yourself, you see, ah, my hair is not okay. And then you fix it. You see, ah, there's something on my mouth and you remove it. You see, there's this and this, that, and you use it essentially to correct yourself and to clean and to just make sure that you look good or to make sure that you're, you are presentable in front of people or that you're just presentable in general. That's essentially the power of the word of God. And that's essentially what we want to get from all this. It's meant to be a place of introspection. It's meant to be a place of edification. It's meant to be a place of building, where we are built, where we are corrected by the word. And you go back and you do the work yourself now. You take, you sit down and you say, out of all those signs that were given, what are some of the things that I should work on as an individual so I can be a better person, so I can be a person from a place of humility? And you also pray for God to help you to be a person who is humble because we've already read the dangers of being proudful so many times in the Bible and in so many verses. And the funny thing is, I actually only took four verses. There are so many verses that speak about the dangers of being a person with pride. So pride is something that is very sneaky and it's something that we always have to be mindful of. 
at all times, right? So I spoke about deceptiveness. I spoke about self-sufficiency, anxiousness, being overly self-conscious, fearing people more than you fear God. Having an unusual desire for recognition, applause, and validation. Deceptiveness. The next point is selfishness and over-competitiveness. Talking constantly about yourself. That points to pride. And also it points again to self-centeredness. I think self-centeredness is also like this. It's also married with pride because the signs are more or less the same. A lot of these things, they are pointing just to people who are self-centered. Right. So the next one is superiority complex, feeling like you are above everyone else and like everyone else is beneath you. The next point is self-righteousness. The next point is being dismissive. A person who does not give other people a chance to talk, but is very dismissive and feels like their points are more valid than the points of other people. So like I said, the essence of this whole study today was about pride. That was our area of emphasis. That was our area of focus. And we've pointed so many things and i hope when you get home now you reflect on yourself what are some of the areas where pride may be creeping in because you don't necessarily have to wait until it's a grown pride sometimes it creeps in in the small things and you have to be very mindful of it and you have to catch it even at the slightest sign even if it starts with small things like you being dismissive in a conversation it starts in the small things and those are the things we have to be very mindful of. So we're just going to do a prayer and we're done with tonight's session. Father, thank you so much for today's session. We pray that even as we go on about our week, lead us, guide us, teach us, help us to be mindful at all times. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and help us to be people that are humble at all times. Teach us how to be humble. Teach us how to be humble at all times. I pray that you remove the spirit of pride from us and that you keep us alert every single time that pride tries to knock and tries to lurk in our lives. We don't want to be resisted by God. Give us humble spirits. Give us spirits that understand and that are eager to learn. Spirits that don't have that syndrome of 